Focus on Life. It's Sunday evening, 8pm, and you're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas, and this is Lucas on Life. Over the last few days, we've been hearing a lot about former friends and colleagues who have fallen out and parted ways. There's Dominic Cumming, famous or more accurately infamous for his illegal excursion during those constricting days of ultra-lockdown when we were all told to stay home and save lives. The former number 10 advisor leaked profanity-laced text messages allegedly sent by his former boss, colleague and friend. And then there are the texts themselves, which allegedly, I know I'm using the word allegedly a lot, suggest that the Prime Minister thought that Matt Hancock was useless. Actually, he said a little more than that, but this is a Christian radio station. John Burko, former Speaker of the House of Commons, has switched sides, abandoning his Tory pals and cozying up now with Labour. And then there's Northern Ireland, where political leadership careers have been launched and then lost in a matter of weeks in what's been described as the rough and tumble of politics. Fear not, because my purpose in tonight's show and next week is not to pontificate on these specific situations, but they are all stories of colleagues and surely, in some cases, friends who trusted each other and shared common purpose, now not only parting, but doing so with bitterness and rancour. So, tonight and next week too, let's talk about friendship. Here's The Found with Wandering. Once upon a time, nearly half a century ago, five lads grew up in neighbouring streets in London. More Essex boys than junior EastEnders, they journeyed together from short trousers at the infant school through to the pubescent awkwardness of secondary modern. They shared the same classrooms, love of Led Zeppelin, hairstyles, and even went out with the same girls, though not usually at the same time. They argued, made up, drank beer and spent a thousand Saturdays kicking footballs around the park. They sat around and looked up at the stars and wondered if anything meant anything. Like most youthful friends, they always planned to be friends for life, but school leaving changed all that. They scattered in different directions to trek down different career paths. One, a recording engineer. Another, a vice principal of a college. There was a BBC producer and a health and safety inspector and a minister of religion, me. My drifting from the group was accelerated by my teenage conversion, thrumming myself into church activities and then heading off to college for ministry training. The little band of pals lost touch for 35 years until one evening when Phil, Graham, Trevor, Steve and I met once more and it was nothing short of wonderful. Finding each other through the mixed blessing that is social networking, we scheduled our reunion in a London pub. I've been looking forward to the meeting for months. Now, as I gingerly opened the door and peered around the crowded bar, looking for a group of 17-year-old chaps turned 52, anxiety momentarily mugged me. And then I was greeted by four broad, welcoming smiles. Recognising the group, even after all those years, was easy but there was to be one surprise encounter that I hadn't reckoned on. Within seconds, we were laughing out loud at the memory of some of our teachers. There was our strange chemistry teacher who lectured us endlessly about laboratory safety, which was ironic seeing as he looked as if half his head had been blown away by a mishap with a Bunsen burner. 
We remembered our French teacher, a staunch disciplinarian whose terrible breath could have controlled rioting crowds and who spanked us by karate chopping our buttocks, which we didn't think was too strange back then, but reflection made us wonder. And then we smiled wistfully at the mention of the gorgeous drama teacher. Her name escaped us, but we remembered her miniskirt rather well. Delighted to be together, we solemnly vowed not only to attend each other's funerals, but to ensure that a death would not be the next prompt for the next reunion, arranging to meet again in just two months. The evening was marked with kindness and respect. I knew that I'd been a little too fervent as a new Christian and was concerned that they might view me as a friend turned religious fanatic. I needn't have worried. You had a life-altering experience when you were 17, Jeff, said Phil. Tell us about it. I did, and they were kind enough to listen. As I recounted my conversion story, I nervously glanced around the table to spot rolled eyes of mockery or shared glances of boredom. I needn't have worried. But then came the encounter that I hadn't expected, as a person I barely recognised suddenly showed up. That someone was me, as I used to be. We were amazed when you got God, smiled Trevor, because you were always the bad lad of the group. I learned that they'd started smoking because I sadly had led the way. They said that I was brave, which I think means stupid, because I took risks and then they'd have to follow. I listened wide-eyed as they told me their perceptions of my home and my upbringing. I'd always felt a little like an outsider. Now I realised that my acts of bravado might have been about needing to prove myself, and I wondered how much this little boy had grown up. The cigarettes are long gone, but the need for approval persistently lingers. At last, the evening finished with hugs goodbye, and I boarded the train, thrilled to have reconnected with them and intrigued to have gained their insights about me. Surely that's what veteran friendships can be, a mirror kindly held up before us, showing us what we cannot see in ourselves. Friends can show us our blind spots, our foibles, our strengths and our screamingly irritating habits if we will just let them. If we scatter eggshells all around us, insist that anyone who gets close to us will have to walk on them and then demand that they read an auto cue that will flatter us, then we won't ever benefit from their insights. Perhaps our friends have some things that they're desperate to tell us. If only we would ask. Friends, they can introduce us to people that we've lost touch with for a while, like ourselves. Mercy me, I can only imagine. One of the things I've learned over the years is that a real friend, a genuine friend, will tell you the truth. As a singer, she was a phenomenal success packing out New York's prestigious Carnegie Hall. A chart topper as the very best-selling artist for her recording company, she worked hard for her success, hiring a renowned vocal coach to help her hone her technique. Her friends, so-called, cheered her on, celebrating her unique gift. There was just one problem. She couldn't sing. The subject of a recent film starring Meryl Streep and Hugh Grant, Florence Foster Jenkins has become renowned for being the world's worst opera singer. According to one rather cutting historian, no one before or since has succeeded in liberating themselves quite so completely from the shackles of musical notation. Ouch. Apparently oblivious to the fact that her audiences actually gathered to quietly mock her, she was consistently flat, sometimes off-key by as much as a semitone. 
With her poor diction, she massacred foreign language lyrics, but undeterred, she kept on singing while her fans sniggered behind their hands. Hers is a tragic, pathetic story made possible because nobody loved her enough to tell her the truth. Something similar happens in churches where a genuine commitment to encouragement has distilled into hollow flattery, where we so want to cheer people on that we end up barking them up the wrong tree, nudging them to do what God has not called or equipped them to do. Someone preaches a fairly mediocre sermon and is promptly told that it was brilliant. Where the gifts of the Spirit are operated, a seriously dodgy prophecy is shared on a Sunday morning, and the congregation-wide sense of tension means that everyone knows that the God of the universe most likely has not spoken, but for fear of crushing the would-be prophet, or worse still, offending him or her, everyone stays tight-lipped, the emperor's clothes remain unruffled. There's a greater danger of this when any kind of constructive criticism is viewed as negative or even divisive. Nervous of being tagged as a dissenter, people nod their heads and blindly affirm. Not only does this dilute the possibility of quality control, but it devalues the currency of genuine encouragement. When people are always told that what they do is awesome, but they are anything but, nobody really believes it when real gifting is affirmed and celebrated. One day, the hapless Florence found out the truth. Following the Carnegie Hall event, the New York Sun newspaper critic was scathing, declaring that Florence could sing everything except notes. Florence was devastated, suffered a heart attack five days later, and died within a month. Who knows? Perhaps if someone had been a true friend, if someone had loved her enough to tell her the truth, she might have lived a little longer and a lot happier too. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says the wise man in Proverbs. So, if we really love someone and we've earned the right to say what might be uncomfortable to hear, but is life-giving in the long term, then for God's sake, and I mean that reverently, and for theirs, let's speak tenderly, but speak up. And if we find ourselves on the receiving end of advice that we don't want to hear, remember that wounds hurt even when they're inflicted by the faithful. But when the initial sting subsides, you'll be glad that they loved you enough to tell you the truth. You see, that's what a real friend does. Vince Gill, go rest high on that mountain. We've been talking about friendships, and let's remember the nature of God, who is Trinity, and who said, let's make man, humanity, in our image. In other words, In a way that we cannot begin to understand as we consider the Trinity, God has never been alone and he declares that it's not good for us to be alone. When we look at Jesus with that inner circle of Peter, James and John, those three standing with him in Gethsemane, although they did fall asleep, watching the wonder of the transfiguration, invited to watch and pray with him, we realize that Jesus prioritized friendship. When we look at the Apostle Paul, who talked about the friends who were disappointed him, friends with rather strange names like Harmanius and Alexander, Figulus and Hermogenes, he says, they deserted me. He talks about Demas, who loved this world, who deserted me. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. So the Apostle Paul experienced hurt in friendship. But then he celebrates his friends too. He says, 
May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anisiphorus. He often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Paul celebrated his friendship with Dr. Luke, describing him as his dear friends. 27 times in his letters, he refers to beloved friends of his. Developing friendship, it doesn't come as a result of an accident, a coincidence, but rather as we invest and give ourselves. Let's be friends. The writer Donald Bailey uses some rather beautiful words to celebrate the circle of friendship. He says, In that circle we ought all to be standing, linked together with lovingly joined hands, facing towards the light in the centre, which is God, the love that moves the sun and the other stars. As we're in that circle, we see our fellow creatures all around in the light of that central love, which shines on them and beautifies their faces. And joining with them in the dance of God's great game, the rhythm of love universal. But instead of that, we have each one turned our backs upon God and the circle of our fellows and face the other way so that we can see neither the light at the centre nor the faces on the circumference. And indeed, in that position, it's difficult even to join hands with our fellows. Therefore, instead of playing God's game, we play each one our own selfish little game. Each one of us wishes to be the centre, and there is blind confusion and not even any true knowledge of God or of our neighbours. That is what is wrong. Let's get into that circle of friendship, celebrate it, invest in it, prioritise it. Lucas on Life.